right now as the industry starts tackling a massive challenge, which is getting the people that don't come to the movies or don't come that often to return in higher frequency. That's, I think, the next building block here in the recovery from the pandemic. We know that the moviegoers, they came back for Spider-Man. They came back for Top Gun. Little by little, we're building. It's really just increasing the number of moviegoers first. And secondly, increasing the number of frequent moviegoers. And I think pricing is going to play a bigger part of that in 2023. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, the pulse of theatrical exhibition since 1920. Once again with our co-host, Rebecca Polly, deputy editor of Box Office Pro. And in this week's episode, we're going to be going over the top news in theatrical exhibition, preview the upcoming weekend's box office, and offer a quick recap of the ICTA International Cinema Technology Association Summit that took place in Los Angeles last week. I was there in person. Rebecca was here in New York, staying behind, updating everyone around the world on the latest comings and goings in the world of exhibition. Rebecca, how are you this week, mid-January in New York City? This time of the month, I mean, you know, it's kind of the January doldrums. Things have been, you know, a little bit slow, both in terms of film news and the films that are coming out. So it's exciting to have a whole episode to talk with you about all the news that's been going on, because I don't feel like we've had uh, been able to have one of those in a while. Yeah, it feels like it's been a minute since we got updates here from the world of exhibition, but they've been coming in after the Christmas break where we were all biting our fingernails to see how Avatar was going to hold, because we spoke about this weeks ago. It opened at the same level as the Batman did back in March, and everyone was wondering, is this thing going to sink like a stone? So far, it hasn't. Rebecca, Avatar, with fantastic holds, we're talking like number three, third weekend, number two, fourth weekend. I'm making those numbers up. Can you give us the actual <laughs> benchmarks here? Because they're they're actually quite impressive. This movie's performing like everybody thought it could. Yeah, it actually is really impressive. The statistic that we just got this morning is that it is the third highest grossing fifth weekend of all time. However, one of the ones that's above that is American Sniper, and its fifth weekend was only its second in wide. So I don't think that's not a real comparable. Yeah, really. a different rollout. That American yeah. Sniper rollout was like, I think, like two screens. It like went from platform to like super wide. One of those really interesting theatrical distribution case studies when we look back at what Warner Brothers did on that title. What's happening right now, as you mentioned, with 20th Century Studios' Avatar, The Way of Water, is a throwback to movies that open at a good level and word of mouth keeps on pushing and pushing and pushing. You have to think also the fact that premium large format has been such a driving factor for the box office in this title, and there aren't as many showtimes in PLF screenings, that that box office is going to sort of flatten out and sustain itself across weeks. What have been some of the benchmarks that this title has accomplished in PLF auditoriums? Well, it's hitting those benchmarks in IMAX specifically. 44 countries and territories worldwide now have Avatar The Way of Water as their top grossing IMAX release of all time. So that's a pretty good statistic. If you look kind of at the aggregate view, 
IMAX accounts for 11.2% of the film's global box office, which when you consider it's IMAX is definitely not 11.2% of global screens. So it's really kind of over-indexing in the amount of people seeing them on IMAX formats. You know, we've discussed, Daniel, that on the kind of negative side, on the not-so-optimistic side, with Avatar The Way of Water, China is a big question mark, given the surges in the pandemic that they're having over there. Her IMAX, it does look like it's kind of starting to pick up a little bit. Yeah, I was looking at the numbers that Disney sent us this weekend. After a slow start, Avatar The Way of Water really is picking up steam in the Chinese market. It looks like it's already crossed $200 million, Rebecca. The film now up to $211.8 million in the Chinese market. That's already crossing the theatrical total of the first Avatar in China, which grossed $204 million. Uh, great momentum over there. What are the other highlights that this title's been uh, enjoying? Well, of the $200 million plus gross that we're seeing in China, 23% of that, almost a quarter of that box office gross, comes from IMAX screens, which represent only 1% of the screens that it's playing on. If we look at the market overall here domestically, sure, it's not you know, the middle of June, but we have movies that would have opened maybe in the single digits a year ago, actually performing pretty well. Listen, no one is going to look at Plane, the new action movie released in the middle of January by Lionsgate, and expect that to be a super hit. But at $12 million from 3,000 screens and its opening weekend last frame, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm not complaining when we see that just as how the market is performing as a whole. Megan, the horror title, PG-13 horror. That's really working with audiences. That title making $21 million over the three-day weekend last weekend for a $60 million cume. Things are pushing along. I feel much better this January, Rebecca, than I did last January when anything and everything that was happening was Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And, so, and certainly a lot better than January 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Things are picking up. Yeah, I feel really positive as we head into, what, the third frame here in January. We've got a couple of new openers here. What's ahead of us? Daniel, yes, speaking of PLF, some interesting statistics from Cineplex's most recent report on their December 22 box office revenue. They claim to have attracted the highest percentage of moviegoers to premium offerings for Avatar 2 among all North American exhibitors, with premium formats comprising 85% of the film's box office wow. in December. Wow. And this is Cineplex, the largest exhibition circuit in Canada, mm -hmm. coming out with these figures. Yeah, and they say that Avatar The Way of Water, just the film in general, was 62% of a Cineplex's December box office. We're going into a quarterly earnings period now, Daniel, so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be seeing a lot of these figures and statistics coming in from public companies. We'll keep you updated on future episodes of the podcast and also on Box Office Pro com as tough as it can be sometimes to wade through uh, financial jargon this really is kind of the time in the cycle when we really get some good solid interesting numbers that indicate the direction in which the industry is heading absolutely and if we look at some of the uh, other titles coming up here we're expecting another you know okay weekend here as we enter late January one big new release this weekend Rebecca missing from Sony Pictures Entertainment. What are the expectations for this title opening on Friday? 
Well, we're looking at uh, the opening range being around 3 million to 8 million to top out at a domestic range of around uh, 7.5 million, 21 million. This is the kind of quasi sequel from the film Searching, which came out from Screen Gems pre pandemic. We have The Sun coming out this weekend from Sony Pictures Classic. You can check out an interview with director Florian Zeller on our website, boxoffice.com. And I don't, we don't have any box office predictions on this one, but like, honest to God, I just want to say the title. It is an anime crunchy roll release coming out this weekend called That Time I Got Reincarcerated as a Slime the Movie Scarlet Bond. And yeah, I mean, for me, the most important thing this weekend, I'm looking forward to seeing Missing, but man, January 19th is National Popcorn Day, and that is up there in terms of holidays that are important to me personally. And Denny, you know, I love a discount. And over the last week, we've actually gotten news of another chain doing a pretty substantial discount that I'm really excited about. Yeah, Rebecca, Alamo Drafthouse is coming out with a discount ticket program on Tuesday. So am I correct about that? Is that the right date? I know there's select blackout periods here, but on Tuesdays, we're going to have and $9 pricing tiers, depending on your theater, depending on where you are in the country. There are exclusions here, special events, private parties, etc. But it's a nice little initiative that comes on the heels of another major circuit, AMC Theaters, extending a $5 Tuesday through the end of the month. I mean, I would be really interested to hear, and I can't imagine we're actually going to hear it until AMC does their next investor call, but how that $5 January did for AMC and see maybe how it makes sense for them to continue it. Obviously, just variable pricing, dynamic pricing, that's been a huge conversation you know, over these past few years. Is that something that came up at ICTA? I know anything relating to pricing, I mean, the tech component there is essential. Well, Chris Aronson spoke, so it definitely came up. That's one of the things that the precedent of domestic distribution over Paramount has been calling for for many years now. The fact that pricing still remains a major impediment for a lot of folks to come into theaters. Now, that doesn't mean that every movie ticket has to be at the same price. But one of the things that we did hear at this ICTA conference in Los Angeles last week is the question of does every movie have to cost the same, regardless if it's on a premium format or not? Now, we know that premium formats have increased the price of certain films in certain auditoriums. We are now seeing these discount days lower prices for most, if not all, titles one day a week, and it's fantastic to see major circuits go about it. But that's one of the big discussion points, Rebecca, right now as the industry starts tackling a massive challenge, which is getting the people that don't come to the movies or don't come that often to return in higher frequency. That's, I think, the next building block here in the recovery from the pandemic. We know that the moviegoers, they came back for Spider-Man. They came back for Top Gun. Little by little, we're building. It's really just increasing the number of moviegoers first, and secondly, increasing the number of frequent moviegoers. And I think pricing is going to play a bigger part of that in 2023. So it's fantastic to see, especially as we come out of a I don't know, what, $30 ticket price in major cities for Avatar The Way of Water to see major circuits like Alamo, like Marcus Theaters, like AMC. Many more are doing it, getting a day midweek and making it affordable for anyone 
to see anything on their screens. We have to look at these pricing initiatives as a big part of things moving forward. And of course, we're seeing some of those innovations occur as more circuits release their own subscription program. You've seen that happen across the board. And talking about the subscription program innovations, we do have to bring this up. We've been trying to find out more about the movie pass relaunch that occurred in select markets last summer, was it, Rebecca? Last fall? We really haven't heard much from this story, but there's an update here. Yeah, so it was September 5th of last year that MoviePass launched its beta in three markets, Chicago, Dallas, and Kansas City. Since then, they are now operating in beta mode in nine markets. And it's looking like that beta expansion process is going to accelerate because we have seen news that they have completed around seed funding pulling from a company called Anna Maka Brands, which is heavily involved in and invests in companies and the kind of blockchain gamification Web3 space. So, you know, it's seeming like this could be a situation of MoviePass kind of starting to kick into high gear. You know, one of the things that kind of interested me that was between the lines here with the press release that MoviePass put out is, you know, they tout the partnerships that they are developing with exhibitors. For example, like if you're, you know, buying a ticket through MoviePass for a B&B theater, maybe you could get a coupon or a promotional offer on your phone. Oh, there's a deal with B&B of alignment between MoviePass mm-hmm. and the theater circuit. Yeah. That's big news, actually. I didn't know they're already getting exhibitor partners on their slate. There's not a ton of specific information or really any specific information, but MoviePass does say they have developed strategic partnerships. My hands are doing air quotes because what that strategic (laughs) partnerships entails, we don't know, with 25 chains across the United States, totaling 30% of exhibitors, though they do cite a few chains among them, B&B, and I mean, I think notably none of those chains are ones that have their own subscription services. So we know that Movie Pass via the information that they've given out will work at an AMC, will work at a Regal, will work at any theater that accepts major credit cards, basically, just like the original one did. But yeah, curious to kind of see how it shakes out. We saw the friction between specifically AMC and MoviePass the first time around. I was a big supporter of MoviePass, you know, from early on. I like CEO Stacey Spikes. I like the vision that he has. But yeah, Daniel, neither of us really know anyone who's on the beta version of MoviePass in one of those nine markets. So if you are, and we want to know how MoviePass is doing. Like, I want to know is the app work, and I want to know what the experience is like. So shoot us an email and give us your product review, I guess. They're taking it slow and steady this time out. I think the big mistake last time was that they moved too quickly and they burned relationships as a brand that they couldn't afford to damage. Oh, $10 for all the movies you want to see in a month. Woo-hoo. Yeah, $10 for all you can see movies that wasn't sustainable. People in that company, including Stacey Spikes, knew that wasn't sustainable. And decisions were taken at the expense of their business model and I think exhibition at large. This new iteration, I think, is taking a lot of time, have the conversations they can. Rebecca, this iteration of MoviePass, I think, is taking things a lot more slowly than the last time around when they move too quickly and burned relationships with exhibitors that, frankly, they couldn't afford to lose. This is a different go at it, but as you mentioned, we still don't know what the reception 
of the exhibition community as a whole, especially those circuits that already have a subscription program, especially those circuits that might not necessarily want to work with this credit card, debit card system and have no choice but to comply. We still have to see how that shakes out. And we'll be providing those updates on our website, boxofficepro.com, moving forward, along with all other industry news. But Rebecca, let's close up this conversation this week by talking about our plans this weekend. I have no idea what to watch at the movies this weekend. Do you have anything on your radar here in New York that you can want to catch? I do. I Well, first off, my local theater, the Nighthawk Prospect Park, has trivia every Tuesdays, and I'm determined I'm going to make it today. I also need to see Skinamarink from IFC. I heard that it's you know a very kind of atmospheric, not so much plot, but just tone horror film and those are what you see in theaters i mean that's not even a question that's like a total ifc center go down to the west village take the one train take the a train get out on west fourth go to the movies at 10 p.m catch a late night screening of this at the ifc center oh 11 59 oh of course yeah and then go for like a late night slice of pizza that's That's what I would have done 10 years ago. I'm a little bit older now. I think that'd be a little bit tougher, but man, I wish I could catch this that way. And then on the flip side, my boyfriend and I were talking over the weekend and apparently we are are definitely seeing the 25th anniversary re-release of Titanic when it comes out around Valentine's Day. (laughs) He loves the film. I'll be there to support (laughs) it. Really? Oh, come on. You're that, you cannot be that cynical. I like the third act when it gets into boat stuff. Anything romance stuff? No. And then the romance didn't work for you. No, well, come on, we're the same generation, dude. This Sorry. movie was so important. You were the person in the playground that was like, Leo, I don't see it. You just weren't buying it. I'll tell you what it was. It was watching Avatar The Way of Water, which I definitely had you know, mixed feelings on, but you get to that third act and it's just like James Cameron does boat action. And it reminds you that, hell yeah, James Cameron is really good at boat action and it looks good on the big screen. You know, maybe I'll just take a lot of bathroom breaks during the romance stuff and I'll come back after the iceberg kids. You know, the man has his strengths. I think the romance works. Come on, Kate Winslet, Leo. No, I'm sorry. Billy I, Zane. We agree to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be headed, if I can, over to Film Forum, also not too far from the AFC Center this weekend. The Conformist, Bernardo Bertolucci's seminal, Ooh. seminal film. That's got a new 4K restoration. That's playing here in New York, actually, through Thursday. Hopefully, they can carry it over a little bit more. But this movie's gorgeous. I don't know if you've ever seen it. On my little rinky-dink TV. <laughs> so not Oh, man. Basically no, not. no, no. Do yourself a favor. New restoration out in film form. It's doing the repertory scene right now. Really, really, really great movie. And you know, still socially relevant, politically relevant all these years later. Yeah, that's my recommendation for this weekend. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for everything. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Don't forget to tune in next week. A new episode is coming every Thursday here from the Box Office Podcast, which is produced by the Box Office Company in collaboration with Box Office Pro and Record Edit Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.